Hi, this is Morgan Nitz and Roberta Fallon with Chris Hamas and Olivia Williams. And you're listening to Art Blog Radio. Thank you for speaking with us. You're welcome. All right. A little about Chris. He's a faculty member at Tyler School of Art and four years ago began an alternative gallery in North Philadelphia called Pilot Projects. We're here today at Pilot Projects, 1719 North 5th Street, just north of Cecil B. Moore. We're surrounded by a new exhibition, a collaboration between two artists, Tim Belknap and Mina Sarvzaz. The show's called Upstream, Down Body, and it focuses on the weirdness of the body and involves some interactive robotic pieces. And Olivia Williams is a gallery assistant at the gallery and a uh, senior at Tyler for sculpture. And sculpture. Yeah. Okay, well, welcome. So uh, we're going to start with you, Chris. Chris, you told us previously that you started the gallery three years ago with a grant from Tyler. It was called by these very famous Russian artists named yeah. the Ilya and Emilia Kabakov Award. Kabakov, yeah. Kabakov, sorry. Um, and your first exhibition was in May 2016, so that's a while ago. And since then, you've hosted almost constant art or community programming, mm -hmm. from events to exhibits and performances, all manner of things. So tell us about starting the gallery and about receiving that award. Uh, well, the award is it's a competitive award that is offered only to people who have recently graduated with an MFA from Tyler School of Art in the sculpture department. Um, and this was, I think, the second year that it was being offered that uh, I, I got the award. It's competitive only between, I think, three or four um, most recent years of alumni. Uh, so when I got it, it was, it was right after I had graduated. Like it was literally like less than a year after I graduated, which felt very lucky because I knew that I was going to try to open up a gallery regardless of having grant money. Um, and then I got grant money and it actually made it a lot easier. It was only about $5,000, but that managed to be enough to uh, rent the space, pay for all of the walls, um, get the lights set up, get the toilet set up, and then pay for rent for maybe like a year after that. So how did you find the space? You're on um, on one side of the street. It's mm -hmm. very built up. There's a brewery, St. Benjamin mm -hmm. Brewery and all the rest, mm -hmm. um, loft apartments. Mm -hmm. This side of the street, there's kind of a wreck uh, yeah. of well, a building. For the, for the time being, there will be massive condos on the side of the street as well, probably in the next few years. Uh, on top but, of this building? Are they tearing uh, this building down? No, but the property that is all around us is owned by a developer, like they own the north side, the south side, the east side, everything else but the, besides this building. Um, and we saw their plans, what they plan to do, it's some massive building that's going to look kind of like a spaceship, I think, uh, probably five-story condos. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, so we found a space when, when I got the grant, I reached out to a few friends. Uh, there were four of us originally, and the idea was that we would all sort of co-operate the space. Um, the people that I chose at the time were um, people that I was close to, and I'm still close to, but people that uh, I had been actively talking about art with for a while. 
you know, people like that I would sit at a bar with, talk about shows we'd seen, talk about the work that we're making, talk about, you know, just like theory and ideas about art making. Um, people that I would go to shows with, people that I was in grad school with. Um, so these were people that I felt like, you know, like we could do this, we could do this together. Um, so I started looking, I actually didn't tell anybody that I got this grant for a little while. I just kind of kept it secret because I wanted to make sure that like whoever I decided to get involved with this project I, I could like, you know, really work with. Um, so I didn't, I kind of kept it secret for a little while and started looking at properties online, just on Craigslist um, in the commercial property section. Um, but when I actually said to my friend Misha, like, hey, would you like to run a gallery with me? She's like, oh yeah, I was actually just like trying to schedule an appointment to this building to come and see it to possibly build studios there. And I was like, that's perfect because we could have a gallery and studios, which is exactly what we have here. I also want to point out that the sound you're hearing in the background right now is a sculpture of a giant tongue that is controlled by a microcontroller. Um, it responds to Twitter comments, the reflux, hashtag reflux. But I, we also had a question about the website for Pilot Projects. Yeah. When you open it, an image pops up. There's a, there's a JPEG and there's a text that's partially obscured by like blackouts of what looks like a Sharpie or Photoshop mm -hmm. marker. What's Visible says, a pilot project, a small-scale preliminary study conducted in order to evaluate adverse events and effect in an attempt to predict and improve upon the study. Pilot studies, therefore, may not be appropriate. Pilot experiments are frequently carried. Avoid time and money. So what is the source text? What have you removed, and what does this text describe about the gallery? Uh, so that was Jen, I believe, Jen Nugent, who... Um, was my co-director for uh, the whole time we were here. She just recently moved to St. Louis um, for a job. But uh, she, I think that is just a screenshot from her phone where she looked up the definition of pilot project uh, and then redacted certain things that weren't necessarily applicable to what we were doing. Um, and yeah, there's like, it doesn't, it's not completely, legible those parts that got cut off um, but yeah I think it's actually just the def literal definition of a pilot project well and that calls me to ask why did you call this place pilot projects we went back and forth for a long time about what we were going to call it everybody had completely different ideas about what, what they want to call it that ended up being a name that we all kind of felt good about it wasn't I don't think it was anyone's favorite name, but it actually seemed to make sense to choose something that all four of us could feel good about and could, you know. Uh, it was nobody's sell. favorite, was nobody's and so favorite. it worked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's somewhat hilarious. But speaking about location, do you feel that, um, I know you're a politically involved person, do you feel that Pilot Project has a political agenda, and is it source to provide any specific experience to people living in North Philly or in this area? That is a good question. Um, well, in terms of does it, does it have a political mission? Is that what the question? I mean, I know that some of the shows that we've shown have become more politically motivated 
lately within the last year or two. Um, that is completely on purpose. Um, not every show is so overtly political, but I think that you know every every art piece that a person who calls themselves an artist makes and shows to other people as an audience or reviewer is in some way political. Now, <laughs> what those politics are are maybe difficult to describe or difficult to actually encounter so clearly. Um, but uh, yeah, that's a non-answer. I realize that <laughs> saying everything is political. Um, it's it's difficult to actually figure out how to say that pilot projects is political because I know that I have certain political ideas and that hopefully comes across in the work that I show. But I couldn't necessarily say I mean because there's with with every show there's a number of other people and. While we might agree on certain political ideas, I wouldn't ever claim that we're completely on the same page about anything, you know? So to say that Pilot Project is, like, it has a political motivation, yes, but what that specifically is, I think is determined by every everything that we show, right? So, like, in this show, we've got Tim, Tim and Mina collaborating on kinetic sculptures and augmented reality. Uh, they're sort of interrogating ideas about the body and how bodies move through space and how technology can relate to um, an experience of, uh, you know, like of, of, of space in a strange, I don't know, I don't know if that's making sense to me to say that. The, the show before this was um, Heidi, Heidi Norton, who is a New York artist, and uh, Tony Balco, who is a Providence-based artist. I would say that there are different politics in that show, um, what drew me to their work was the the idea of this kind of like celebration of color and of plant life and of you know just very kind of like exciting imagery. That was maybe what drew me to that. It was also thinking about how depressing it can be in the winter, especially in a space like this where we don't have heat. We just have. You know, it's cold and it opens straight to the, you know, it's ground level, it opens to the street. So for me, there was some kind of like selfish motivation to just like cheer myself up in the dead of winter, you know, which, you know, uh, feeling that way is political as well. Feeling depressed, feeling uh, sad, it's not just because of your, your physical environment or the temperature outside, it's also due to, you know, something like capitalism. Capitalism can make you feel depressed, so there's, that's also political in a different way. Apart from that, you're also a teacher, um, mm -hmm. a sound teacher. Do you find that you are inspired by your students? I mean, I, you have Olivia who works with you, and Olivia was able to have a show here, which I'm sure was a great learning experience for Olivia. And does that affect yeah. your approach to this gallery? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I know it's cliche to say that, like, but as a teacher, like, you know, I'm learning from my students, but it's totally true. And that's like one of the most exciting things about it. I think that my approach as, a, as an instructor is to treat everybody as though they're a peer, you know? And I mean, I'm not really all that comfortable in a, you know, like authority like situation where I'm the one in charge of people, you know? And I think, 
early, you know, like every class I teach, like early on, I can tell the students are intimidated by me, maybe because of like my demeanor or something the, the way I look. The beard. Uh, could be. <laughs> but then by the end, I think they all realize like I'm kind of a pushover. I kind of, I kind of am more excited to just like, you know, see people challenging themselves. I don't really like to. I don't really like to get on anybody's case about something like attendance or, you know, like if you've got stuff going on that you can't be in class, who am I to say the class is more important than like the things that are happening in your life, you know? Mm. I mean, I have those kind of thoughts about teaching um, where I would rather treat everyone like a peer from the start and kind of work from there and see, you know, how that relationship can develop. Um, that's a yeah. great philosophy. Yeah. In, in the best case, I think that students see that and they are motivated by it. And in the worst case, they might feel like they can take advantage of it. You know, like, yeah. yeah. I had a teacher when I was at Tyler many, many years ago, and that person will go unnamed, but their attitude towards the students was, you got to get away from all the bad art. It's not healthy to be around all this bad art. Yeah. It well, made me laugh, but it was an attitude and it was a philosophy, and it's really yeah, very yeah. not good in no, a way. No, I, I totally disagree with that, especially like, you know, you can't avoid things that you don't like in your life. So why would art be any different? And also, like, you have to spend mental energy thinking about things that annoy you, things that you you know, have problems with in every other aspect of your life, and it's valuable to do that, it's the same with art. Like, it's really valuable to look at art that you don't like and think, why don't I like this? What is wrong with this that it turned me off? You know? I think people don't necessarily always realize where the learning comes from. Sometimes the learning is coming from being repulsed by something, you know? Great answer. Wow. So um, let's move on to talk about your art a little bit. We've been, we've been oh. talking about your gallery, yeah. your teaching, <laughs> your philosophy. So you are an artist. Mm -hmm. You are an MFA from Tyler, as we know, and a BFA from the School of the Art Institute in Chicago. Your bio at Tyler says you are interested in intersections of power, identity, and inner psychic life. And your website, which is full of pictures, uh, and it's stopgostop.com, and everybody should go there and look at the Slash pictures. Oh, yeah. okay. It, you won't get there without That's, that. The website is run by a friend of mine in New York, and stopgostop.com is, is like domain, domain. But then I have like a subdomain in that. Okay, subdomain Jacob C. Hamas slash projects.html. We'll put it in the, sure. in the website. <laughs> so, um, but you're a maker. So let's talk about your making mm -hmm. uh, from video to um, posters, mm -hmm. word art. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, what are you making right now? Well, uh, so the I have a solo show coming up. And I'm working on a kind of large-scale installation that involves lots of moving, well, uh, I'm making fountains 
like water fountains that are going to be large and take up a large amount of space in the gallery. Um, and I have some kinetic works that I'm making. I have some motivational posters I'm making. I have these concrete bricks that I'm making. Um, not, there's a few other things, but yeah, there's there's a lot of moving parts right now, and I know that when I actually get all that work there, I'm going to have to edit down. Um, maybe I'll show half of it, I don't know. But um, it's in a new space called, and this is just a straight out plug for them because nobody knows who they are or what they're doing. It's called Information. It's in Port Richmond. I don't know the specific address, but uh, it's some friends that have recently decided to open up the space. And this is the first show. It's opening April 13th. Um, Do you have a name yeah. for your show? No, not yet. It might be called Pond Theory. I'm not sure. Uh, I've been... <laughs> so so part, part of the thing I've been working around is... I, I was originally thinking of it as a script for a video, but I, when they asked me to do the show, I realized I could try <clears throat> to make it... Um, get some of the ideas across in a sort of three-dimensional installation form. So it will still probably be a video. Uh, With props. You're making props for the video right now, possibly. Sort of, sort of yeah. Um, so it's hard to really describe where this comes from, but essentially I was, there was a few summers ago when I was in Chicago and I was um, working at a gallery out in the suburbs and as we were driving out there every day, we're passing these like corporate headquarters, corporate like industrial parks, and they all had ponds in front of their building. And so I started to think about what is the function of a, like of water, of a water feature, of a, like why is that so important to incorporate that into your corporate headquarters? What does that provide? Um, so really just trying to unpack the kind of like aesthetics and the, the theory that goes into that. And then I developed this thing that is it's sort of like a satirical uh, take on those questions, which is to develop the theory of pond theory. So pond, <laughs> pond theory is uh, sort of like a satirical study of um, how a pond can be used to portray various kind of ideas about your business identity or about your the industry that you happen to be a part of and what how that might affect your the inner psychic life of your clients or of the employees um, yeah so it's a very unwieldy mess right now trying to figure out what exactly this is but it's some kind of a satire <laughs> well i'm seeing a handbook an employee handbook mm -hmm. All about the pond and the use of the pond <laughs> and the theory behind the pond explained. Yeah, and also uh, thinking about other kinds of like, I don't know, thinking about water and how water is maybe like used in an aesthetic manner. <laughs> Although that's a very, very general subject to start talking about like, you know, I'm making work about water. It's like, no, I'm not making work about water. <laughs> I'm making work that uses a certain very particular uh, idea about water and exploiting that to get other ideas across that have to do with, you know, my thoughts on 
capitalism, I think. I mean, I think that that's mainly what is at the, at the core of it. It's like, what are my thoughts on, um, you know, wage labor? Like, and how, um, how our time is being, how we are expected to adopt certain ideas about time and pleasure and, you know, like, basically flogging ourselves in our daily jobs in order to feel as though we are valuable or that we are worth something, you know? So that's kind of at the core of it, but I'm, I'm taking this sort of long path around that will hopefully have some jokes in there because I think a lot about comedy um, and humor and I am actually writing a joke book to possibly go with the show. What a great idea. Yeah, I'm trying to write a joke book. I don't, the jokes aren't that funny, but funny. they are literally <laughs> Olivia says they're, they're funny. funny. Oh, okay. Okay. Can you give us one? Do you have an example right off the top of your head? Or Olivia? What I really like I the toasting you? one. You told me a few, but the toasting oh, the one toasting. at the bar. <laughs> I like the action with it, too, I think. Um, I, is there time to tell a joke? I mean, oh, I, yeah. Is it a half-an-hour joke? <laughs> well, but I do, have, I do really like long jokes. I think we can go with one long joke. All right, all right. Let me see if I can. I don't have anything memorized. I just have it sure. written down. So if I you stumble, stand up or sit down, um, we're sitting, so you can I'm sit, do a sit, sit down. down. <laughs> all right, three guys walk into a bar. I have a whole chapter of um, bar jokes where it's just three different guys. No, I'll give a short one. How about this one? Did I tell you this one? Um, I know. <laughs> Three guys walk into a bar, uh, each of them reading Ayn Rand books. Bartender looks at them, says, Sorry, gentlemen, we don't serve teenagers here. Oh my gosh. So that's, a <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. So here's a little bit longer one. Three guys walk into a bar. Uh, the first guy orders a round of drinks. They hold up their glasses. They say, We would like to toast to. Uh, the power of the working class, the, <laughs> we can accomplish anything we set our minds to as long as we have solidarity amongst the working classes. That, oh, and also, two sidewalks. Two sidewalks, two sidewalks. Everybody says, two sidewalks. They cheers, they're down the drinks, second guy or next round. Let us toast to never forgetting the source of our oppression, which is the upper classes, and the power that we possess when we are a unified working class, and also two sidewalks. Yes, yes, two sidewalks, two sidewalks. Everybody shares this. They're down the drinks. Third, <laughs> I'm still doing a bad job. <laughs> Third guy uh, orders the drinks, holds up their glass, we would like to cheers to solidarity amongst the working classes, to uh, smashing the patriarchy, to uh, anti-racist, anti-capitalist, working class power, and also two sidewalks. Two sidewalks, two sidewalks, two sidewalks. They drink their drinks. Bartender comes back over and goes, so guys, look, I get, I get cheersing to you know, solidarity amongst the working classes. I get smashing the patriarchy. I get the anti-capitalist. I get what you're doing there, but what I can I ask, why do you keep choosing to sidewalks? And the first guy goes, 
oh, well, they've really kept us off the streets. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, that's called a shaggy dog story. <laughs> See, I told you it wasn't good. You might want to cut that out. <laughs> no, that's hilarious. All right, so basically, yeah, to, to sum up the art thing that I yes. am working on is like, it's kind of like that. That, that. The joke is kind of like that, you know? There's, uh, there's humor as an excuse to talk about, uh, I don't know, like my feelings, my anxieties of, of like working under capitalism. That's it. And that sounds like a very lofty thing to try to do, but like that's really how I think about like what, what other kind of motivation could I possibly have? That's important. All right, and wrapping up here, um, tell us a little bit about the future or lack thereof of pilot projects. Well, so, you know, we're renting a space in a neighborhood that's rapidly changing, rapidly gentrifying. And I know that we are not, you know, we are a part of that entirely, as all artists are moving into a space where they didn't previously exist. Um, what we've seen in the last three years that we've been here, a brewery opened up across the street, and then another one opened up across the street. Um, all of the empty lots around here are slowly getting built up with three, four story condo buildings. Um, this neighborhood is changing very quickly, so I don't really see us being here much longer. Um, maybe another year at the most. And that's not because I don't want to keep doing it, it's because it's just like, we totally didn't expect this rapid level of change, you know, when it happened. I mean, it's, I don't know, like we've been here three years and like there's almost no empty lots in this neighborhood anymore. We also, we had a yard when we moved in where we did a lot of programming outside. We had a volleyball net, we had like, we had volleyball games, we would, we had an above ground pool we would set up, we had a fire pit, we had, uh, I built a stage out there one time for a DJ to perform. Uh, we can't do that anymore because the people that own all the property all around the building dug it up, uh, destroyed a lot of our pro property in the process, and they're gonna build a massive condo that wraps around the whole building. Um, I don't even know that I can say that this building will be here uh, in, in the future very much because I know that the landlord has been offered money to sell it to that development company and he turned it down the first time, but I don't know if he'll continue to. Um, so in terms of this space being here, you know, we don't own it, so we don't have any way of like really investing in a future in this space. I would like to keep doing it. Um, it, it, is, it is very difficult because we, you know, when we first opened there were four of us and then very quickly there were two of us. Um, and then now there's me and Olivia and that's basically, yeah, it's just hard to, to keep doing it, you know? And I, I know that I, I get a lot out of doing it. I, I get a lot out of curating shows, um, talking to artists about what they do. There's kind of like a selfish desire for me. Like I, I end up showing a lot of artists that I knew before I moved to Philly, which is mainly in Chicago. 
so there's a selfish desire for me to kind of like keep in touch with those people. And so if I bring them here, I can kind of like <laughs> have an excuse. Um, there was just, I, I, I was just talking to someone, and this is not, you know, there's, there's nothing really like, I would like to move this into a space where we could possibly um, have a number of other spaces that are sort of like co-occupying a space, but, you know, a larger area, but where the management is all of us, like where, where it's artists managing a building, you know, and not for profit, you know, like if we could do something like that where we're all basically paying as little as we can to keep the space going, then that would be ideal because then we could have more more money, more energy to you know focus on other things rather than like trying to pay the bills, uh, which is becoming increasingly difficult when every time we sign a new lease they jack up the rent. So I don't know if I could say for sure what the future is. I don't actually have a desire to close it. Um, you know, while I'm still kind of figuring out how to do it, you know, like it's still, there's still a lot of difficulty for me to think farther than like two shows in advance, you know, it's, it's really hard. So I'm still learning how to do it and uh, I still enjoy that process. And I feel like from what I can tell, it seems like it's still valuable to other artists. I mean, when we have shows, Typically, we do solo and two-person shows. There's not a lot of spaces that I think um, have that as like a big part of their mission. You know, um, a lot, some spaces seem to have like lots and lots of sprawling group shows with like dozens of artists, and we don't do that very often, except for the Olivia show. She did that, <laughs> uh, which is totally fine. It was a great show. I wouldn't be ambitious. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Well, how are your friends who are opening information doing it? Is this in their home or? Uh, no, it's in their studio. They have uh, they've built a a shop, and they have studios there. So they have like a communal work area, and then everybody has their own individual studio spaces. And they have one area that they just designated to be the gallery. So they're actually drywalling it right now. I've been there twice to check on the process just out of my own like anxiety about like is it going to work is it what's it going to look like but they're doing a great job um the walls are built they're not painted yet but uh yeah and they're you know some of them are former students of mine so i'm excited to see like them kind of like taking this up as part of their you know thinking about art making is like being an organizer that's an important thing i think that's great well Thank you so much. We've been speaking with Chris Hamas and Olivia Williams. Hi, Olivia. You didn't get to say much sorry next time, okay? And this is Roberta Fallon. Morgan Nitz. Signing off for Art Blog Radio. Thanks for listening. And you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.